0: All right, welcome into the Strength of the Things that Remain podcast. We sure are glad that you're here today. Uh, we sure do appreciate everybody that watches so faithfully every Monday evening uh, and listens on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Amazon uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Sermon Audio, F- uh, Facebook Live, YouTube. So, uh, plenty of different ways for you to watch and listen. And we certainly appreciate all of you that watch and that share and uh, all of those things. Get a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback from the podcast, and we uh, certainly appreciate that. It's our privilege today uh, to have this. I've been waiting on this one for a while. Uh, We're so glad to have Brother Mike Bagwell with us. Uh, And Brother Mike is uh, a hero. Preacher, you're a hero of mine. Uh, uh, Matter of fact... Here at the church, a lot of times people say, tell me some preachers that I can listen to on sermon audio, and if I have to name five preachers, your name's always on the list. Uh, I, just, uh, I, I just love hearing you. I love hearing you, brother. And uh, so it's our privilege to have you today, and we're so glad that you're here. We want to start by just getting you, tell a little bit, tell, tell us a little bit of your history. Tell us about when you got saved, called to preach, those sorts of things.
1: Preacher, I'm 75 years old. I was born in 1946 in May. In fact, uh, God was good to me, born into a Christian home, Godly mama, Godly daddy. I don't ever remember Sunday not being in church in my whole life. And uh, I, I got saved uh, at a young age. Uh, I remember it as distinctly as if it were yesterday. Rocky Creek Baptist Church in Greenville County, South Carolina, in Sunday school class. I was a six-year-old lad. We'd go, and and Mom and Daddy, of course, they had their class. They'd drop me off at the door. I'd go in. Miss Hughes, Sunday school class. And uh, she had something that still amazes me, flannel gruff. <laughs> I never understood how that board could hold those figures. Yeah. And they wouldn't fall off yeah. And uh she is going through the life of Jesus. His birth, his miracles, parables. We got on toward the spring of the year. Broke my heart. They hated our Lord. Yeah. yeah. Crucified him. All that on that board. I can see it. Yeah. And uh God began to deal with my young heart. The next Sunday after they crucified him, you won't believe what happened. (laughs) Come out of that grave. I saw the empty tomb and I saw the Lord standing there. That Sunday morning, I asked the Lord to say, Amen. six-year-old boy, you'd say, well, you didn't understand what you were doing, and you, you didn't know all the, and I was about as ignorant, I guess, as you could be, but I knew what I was doing. Amen. Lord had me under conviction, Amen. and I trusted him. Amen. Uh, she, she would end the class. Every Sunday morning, we'd sing this little chorus, into my heart, into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. And and, uh, uh, we'd sing it every week. And uh, I'd participate. I'd join in. And uh, that Sunday morning, when God was working with me, I not only sang it, I prayed it. (laughs) I Him to save me. And uh, and honestly, things haven't been the same. Amen. Amen. um, uh, as and uh, so, I just say thank God. It's God's grace, God's Amen. mercy, and, and I'm blessed. Uh, and uh, the Lord, I had my future mapped out. I don't know if you want me to go into all this. Go ahead, go ahead, preacher. All. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, I I love flying. I love airplanes, uh-huh. aviation. It's it's a. It, it would have been a hobby, but it would have been my life. It would have been my life. I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. I wanted to fly. Uh, for the Air Force jets uh, and uh, Daddy had already made a rank we'd already got application to the Air Force Academy back then you had to have a representative of some sort you know state rep- to to recommend you uh, and uh, I'll declare the Lord began to deal with me about preaching <laughs> and I wasn't happy about it <laughs> I, I thought Lord uh, uh, I don't want to do that I want to you know what I want Ron, to do Ron. and and uh, he just wouldn't give me any peace. And uh, uh, time went on. Months, God's dealing with me. I'm, I don't I don't want to do it. I don't want to answer it. And And uh, I, I, I worked. I said, we'll compromise. I said, I'll become a missionary pilot. Hmm. And I'll fly these missionaries anywhere they want to go. And, and then I'll even preach on Sunday. How's that? Hmm. He wouldn't have it. <laughs> he wouldn't have it. And, uh, I, I responded. I said yes. Answered the call to preach. I remember when I did. Remember when I told the ch- the preacher of the church, and uh, uh, preacher, I, I, fifteen years old. What about that? And uh, it wasn't hardly any time. Our pastor came and said, "Now, would you preach Sunday night?" And uh, that scared me. I mean, I knew God had called me, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought, well, in time, I'll pray. And uh, I did. I, I preached. Remember now thy creator, Amen. Hey, in the days of thy youth, and uh, I didn't preach for 18 minutes, right? But uh, that's a, and it wasn't any time. He came back again. He said, "Would you preach again?" And uh, and I did. I preached on Shadrach, Me shed the three three young men in, right. in the fiery first preached 35 men. <laughs> Second time. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, somebody said the other day, and it's been getting longer ever since. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, and then the church had a radio broadcast, and uh, they let me preach on the radio. Oh, how I enjoyed that and then God just began to open doors and and uh, from that pastoring. and then uh, I always preached revivals as a pastor. I actually preached too many revivals to be a pastor. And uh, the Lord just led me on into just just the revival. Now how long did you pastor? Uh 39 years. Pastor that's 39 years. How many churches during that time? Uh uh Five churches, mostly around the Atlanta area. And uh, uh, the longest I was at a place was 19 years.
0: Yeah. Preacher, you said that you felt like you preached too many revivals
1: to pastor. Yeah. How
0: many do you feel like it's too many? Oh, my. <laughs> now, that's, I guess,
1: that an opinion. I understand. Uh, You're right. Uh, kind of an answer. Preacher, I was preaching every, uh, at least every other week, 25, 26 meetings a year. And uh, I had help, but... It, it's not just when your assistant go to the hospital or when your assistant right. take care. Uh, I think people need their pastor. Right, Dr. Weersby said years ago, he said when tragic death, a young person's died, so they need their pastor. And he said, preachers, I want you to know, it's not what you say at that moment, because a lot of times we don't know what to say. Right. It's not what you say; it's the fact that you're there. there so right. You're there. Right. They need right. you right. by their side. That's right. Right. And, and uh, I don't know where to draw the line. I, probably some men can preach a whole lot more meetings and still be effective with their. And a lot of it depends on the people. Right? How understanding the people are. Right. We had one man in a church that I served. He said, "Preacher." He said, it's just my opinion. But I don't care how many meetings you preach. He said, you're preaching those meetings. I look at it like we're sharing our pastor with other right. churches where he is needed, And I look at it as a ministry. For our home church. Right, you know, right. There's so many different ways of looking right, at it.
2: Right, right. Uh, you used to tell like, you naturally called to preach when he was 15 and the, and the Lord began to open doors. Oh, uh, yes. And I see a lot of men that, uh, announce or call to preach at a young age and they don't really take it serious. Yeah. They're called serious until maybe they get a little older. Yeah. Uh, and, and talk about that. It mean, sounds like evidently if y'all begin to open doors, you know.
1: Uh, and, and, it, and it had to be the Lord. Um, I'm an introvert. I'm quiet. I'm reserved. That's just my nature. Uh, I get me a book and get me in a corner and I'm happy. Right. I don't need a lot of the interaction right. and all of that. Uh, and for God to open doors for somebody like me, it, it, it had to be him, preacher. Yeah, and uh, I'll make a confession. I mean, like 16, 17-year-old boy, we'd be in church, godly preacher, love the word, preacher. I'd be sitting there thinking, Oh man, I wish I was preaching. To him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it, and, it's, and it, no, no, reflection against him. He was right. feeding us well. That I believe when God called you, He burst that desire down sure. inside. Amen. Fire burned yeah. your bones. Amen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, preacher, uh, preaching runs in the family a little bit. <laughs> tell us about you. Tell us about, uh, Oliver B. Green was your uncle. Is that right? Yes.
1: But my mama. Sarah Green Bagwell uh, was the baby of the Julius D. Green family. Uh-huh. And uh, so Uncle Oliver was her, an older brother to right. my mom. Did you,
0: did you go to a lot of his meetings? Oh, or?
1: preacher. I, I did. I got to go to them. And uh, Uncle Oliver's just such a loving, accepting man to begin with. Uh, when God called me to preach, he just took me under his arm and, and just loved me. and encouraged. We'd go on Sunday afternoons and go street preaching in a little city called Easley, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It was just a little place mm-hmm. then. And uh, he learned what he was doing now. Me and another boy or two, preacher buddies. And uh, he said, listen, y'all going over there praying. He said, I got chairs, I got more chairs. You could he said, take this podium. And he said, if you need a loudspeaker, that's what we call the PA. Mm -hmm. He said, "Uh, take my PA system. said, I'll do anything I can to help your voice. We'd go there. I'd I'd yell. I'd holler. I'd preach. I'd come back to church Sunday nights. A horse. I could hardly (laughs) talk. We had a time preaching uh, the word of God. And and, uh, not only Uncle Oliver, but on the Green side of the family, Uncle Jack Green, who was a brother. To Doctor Oliver Green, and Un- Uncle Jack was—he um, was a tremendous help to me as well. First book I ever owned in my library, Uncle Jack bought it for me. He said, "Son, God's called you to preach. Uh, uh, let's let's build a library to the glory." And he got me A. C. Gableine's book on Matthew. First book I ever read, spiritual book outside of the Bible was a commentary on Matthew. Yeah, Still yeah. got it. I-, I love it, and uh, began to build. Begin to build the library.
0: You know, that's one thing that that sticks out to me about you is, um, you know, you, uh, your interest in study. And, and I, it just comes through. It comes through when you're preaching or when you're teaching. So uh, tell us a little bit about your study habits. Talk to us a little bit maybe about some men that are go-tos
1: for you. All right. Uh, and if I, if the answer is too long. Oh, you no, no, go 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 take your otherwise. time. Take yeah. your time. Let me tell you, first of all, about the study habits of some great men of God of the past. One of my heroes in the faith, preaching-wise, is Dr. Criswell, W.A. Criswell, pastor of First Baptist Church of uh, Dallas, Texas, for years and years. Dr. Criswell, in that huge church, went to his people. He said, if you all will let me I'll be the best pastor that I can, if you'll follow my, and uh, his words, I will bury your dead, I will marry your young, I will visit your sick, but I'm gonna ask this, give me every morning in my study, along with the Lord. Mm. I mean, from the time he got up until noon, every day, well, not the Lord's day, because he would spend it studying that book. Yeah, right. right there. Can you imagine that mm-hmm. through all of those years? That was Dr. Criswell's study habits. One of my heroes in the faith is Alexander McLaren. God let me go to London and I took a train. Never been there. I was all by myself. Went up to Manchester where he pastored nearly 50 years. Uh, Manchester was a mining town. Coal mining and uh He pastored a lot of those workers, a lot of those miners. They'd be up at four o'clock in the morning going to work. He said, no man in my church is going to be on the job any quicker than I'm on the job. He'd get up at four o'clock in the morning, put his boots on. You don't have to have boots on to study the Bible. Put (laughs) his boots on. That work ethic. And he'd study from that early in the morning until around midday. Pouring his heart into the word of God. When those men preached, it was overflow. They fed their people the word of God. Those are the kind of study habits I admire. Now, ask me about my personal study habits, and this is gonna sound nutty. I don't know that I have any. It's not, when, right now, with what I'm doing, preaching the revival at night, doing the evening meditations. I did it every night, but I've had to go to every, as you know, every other night. And then for our little supporting churches, there are a few churches that help us regular and individuals. I record a CD Bible study every month. In fact, I've got to do that today. I've got to go in and and preach. Uh, I'm going to preach Psalm 69, a Bible study. But from the time I get up in the morning until time to go to church that night, I virtually, and I don't even know if I want this to go out over the air. I'll let y'all decide. I virtually study right. every minute. I'll eat a sandwich at lunch. And and my wife will, will, will bear with you. There are many a weeks, many a week in, in revival meetings, I don't leave the room. Yeah. I mean, I go to preach that night, come in, I don't leave the room. And uh, that's... That, that's I'm not saying that's the best way, and it is certainly not the only way. A preacher with young kids has gotta spend time with his family, and uh, and a pastor's gotta be out among his people, but with me, I just, Psalm 1 is so clear. If you'll meditate in it day and night, stay away from sin, don't walk in the council, meditate in it God said, I'll plant you like a tree by the ground, bring forth fruit. You won't leave everything you do will prosper, God keeps His word Amen. on that. And preacher, I just, I just study, study, study. Somebody asked Matthew Henry one day that great commentary. It was massive. It, it, and in his day, I mean, that was the go-to thing. Yeah. They said and it took him twenty years to write that thing. Twenty years. Somebody said, "What well, you raised your kids?" Godly kids, too. And uh, said, Why in the world did you do all of that? This is what he said about those 20 years. And he pastored on top of that, writing his commentary. He said, There just wasn't anything I'd rather be doing <laughs> <all about> studying <laughs> the Word of God. Amen. Right, right, right. Oh, what, what, a, what a study habit. Um, I, I probably need a hobby. Uh, but I I don't right now. I don't have, my wife brought me a fly rod several years ago. It's still in the box. (laughs) And uh, uh, I I think I might enjoy fishing. I think it might be, and someday, God willing, I probably will do that. But with all the and, and I say the evening meditations. I started it during the COVID when, when it first hit. Yeah. But I hadn't found a stopping place. Right. And, and God's honored it and blessed. God oh, yes. blesses his word. Yeah. God honors his word.
0: Right. And I was right. telling you before we come in, if I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Philippians, let's say, I'll go and find one of your evening meditations oh, on God.
2: them verses that I'm going to be you,
0: preaching. Because this is as good as any commentary I've got if in I consider my... that
2: as you. You, you know, you're talking about Matthew Henry and, and and some of the writers of old. And I know on your your website you have some uh, some written some things written down, some some studies. Um, one thing I said recently that and I and I've kind of been meditating on it uh-huh. uh, that there's not much writers in this day. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in our, amongst our our circle, there's not many men that write, uh, and so. Uh, I know you do some of that. You know you've done some of that. Mm-hmm. You you think that's necessary, or does it help you? Or um, the writing? Yeah,
1: yeah. We've had our website Bible study website since two thousand three, and uh, you you write a lesson every day, which I did until about a year and a half ago. Now I write write a lesson the mornings that I don't record the meditation, so it's every other day. That's a lot of Bible study in that archive. Yeah, page. right. It helps me to write. It crystallizes. It firms it up, I think, in my yeah. mind. Uh, but uh, we think quicker than we write. Writing slows me down in a way. But there was a man in the meeting last night, and he has read that website every day for years and years and years. And he says God has used it. To, to help him grow. Right. Uh, I will say this most of my help comes from the writers of yesteryear. Yeah. Uh, we don't have uh, strengthen the things that remain. We better strengthen That's right. the things because we're losing. Yeah. I, I'm in the book of Jude right now <laughs> in the evening meditations. Jude is the vestibule to Revelation. Right. And he's saying they're departing from the faith. We got to learn to contend, right. strengthen the things that that remain. Right. Writing can be a blessing, but I would recommend reading the writers the more yeah. more than the contemporary writers. So, uh, and
0: obviously we can't ask book tips from every book, but let's say Old Testament commentary. Who's you go to on Old Testament commentary? All right
1: here. And this is a a bit of advice my Uncle Jack gave me years ago. I'm not big on commentaries of the entire Old Testament or New Testament. He said this. Why get a set of books that would be expensive as a general rule, where one man or three men, Jameson Fawcett Brown, for example, covered the whole Old Testament, three-fourths of the Bible. Yeah. He said, find. A man, what? Like Genesis. Find a man who spent the better part of his ministry studying Genesis and buy him on Genesis. Right. Come to the Psalms. Find the man that poured his heart and his life into the Psalms and buy him on the Psalms. Get the men who specialize. Right. Doctors specialize. We don't think anything of that. Get the man who specialized right. Right. in certain.
0: So, for instance, the Book of Psalms.
1: Oh, yeah. Who do you love in Psalms? Yeah. All right. To me, the classic treasury of David. That's all right. And here's why: Spurgeon not only gives his thoughts, which are yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Then he quotes the great writers of his day and prior to his day. Yeah. And uh, Spurgeon has a little book, and I'm probably everybody's familiar with, called "Commenting and Commentaries." And uh, you can get it online, uh, probably with that. And he recommends book by book to the who he thinks would be the best. Mm. And uh, you can't always find those books and those writers now, but a lot of them you can. How about that? And, and could I say this about yes. books? Most libraries have what is called, and I'm talking public libraries here, interlibrary loan service. And it's free. Our librarian at home, has found me books that Spurgeon recommended that you can't buy them anywhere. You can't locate them anywhere. But that interlibrary loan has the capability of searching thousands of libraries and they swap books. Mm. They'll get that book for you. They'll ship it to my library. They'll give me a week, a week and a half, sometimes two weeks with it, and I can copy it or I can study it. interlibrary loan. Uh, but to answer, I'm rambling. No, you're to you're answer right. your question, Spurgeon, yeah. Treasury of David right. uh, on the Psalms.
2: Right. I, so I had a friend, a preacher friend of mine, sent sent me a, a devotional this morning, kind of like a devotional. He's talking about Spurgeon. Uh, the Spurgeon read around 312 books a year. I think maybe twelve thousand, if I'm remembering correctly, by the end of his life. Uh, that's a lot of reading. Yes, yeah. it
1: is. And then pastored the church, had the pastor's college, yeah. and the orphanage, and, and, and everything else involved. A remarkable, right. a remarkable man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What about Genesis, who's you go-to on Genesis?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Spurgeon would recommend Robert Candlish on Genesis. Uh, and I think you still get that book. But uh, honestly, uh, Pink's gleaning in Genesis is hard to beat. and in, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but uh, probably those would be my two that I would say can we leave.
2: Now, what was that book by, by Spurgeon
1: about? Common, com- it's called Commenting and Commentaries. I know I hadn't seen that one. i if you'll mind. go to the Spurgeon archive, they'll they'll have it there. Uh, and it's good to have a, I like hard copies of books sure. I like to hold a book in my hand but if you'll go it, they'll have it there for you right.
0: do you do any digital study and if so do you, is
1: there a certain program you use Or uh, the program I use now no longer exists my Bible is it's called Bible Works and it's just a good Greek Hebrew tool uh, to me it, it the way I study a Greek word or a Hebrew word and and Everybody has to go and go to the lexicons, the the dictionaries and get it. Watch the way the Holy Ghost uses that word in the Bible. And if you can see a pattern, the Holy Spirit, he's about the best teacher I know. Let him guide and, and, and it'll bring out the meanings and the nuances of those words better than anything in the world. Right, right. I preached last night from 2 Peter 1 over at the camp meeting. Add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. and uh, in studying those words, I just look at what the how they're used elsewhere in the Bible. How the Spirit of God uh, utilizes them. There's a world of information there.
0: You know, I love that. I love that kind of word study. But I've got an app on my phone now that's got the Strong's link to every word. You can just push and hold, and it'll bring yes, the Strong's page up. Yes, it's, sir. It's unbelievable. But um, you know, Todd and I have had this conversation about utilizing the Greek. There are some men that will say, "Oh, well, you're correct in the King James, yeah, yeah, utilize the Greek. Now you correct me if I'm wrong. The Greek language has so many more words oh, than is available in English uh, that it just ex- expands. It don't correct, it expands.
1: Yes, <laughs> I believe with all my heart... Uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Right. Jesus was born in the perfect time, which happened to be the time the Greek language was That's spoken right. yeah. And the Greek language, its verbs can give sense of time to a greater depth than our English verbs. I'm a King James man. Do not misunderstand me. Yeah. Right. I love my King James Bible. But the Greek language... The most precise, it, it, it was the language God gave the early church for the preaching of the word of God. Yeah, uh, And and, and uh, you don't have to become a Greek scholar, but the tools are available now, yeah. Right, yeah, to right. study every Greek word in the New Testament. So and, besides Mr. Oh, strong, me, go ahead. Let me add a, a caveat there. Don't just, you know, you, oh, I got a Greek Testament and I'm going to study it. That won't work. Textus Receptus. Yeah. Right. The Greek text that our King James translators wrote, that's the Greek text you want to be studying. Because the others, uh, they change so much. You want the Textus Receptus. I'm right. sorry.
0: I was I- just wondering if there's a book besides, of course we understand the Strong's. you can use it. What are some other books that you'd recommend on word studies?
1: Uh, W.E. Vine's book, uh, Dictionary, I think it's called, and they change the title every now and then. Dictionary of New Testament Words. It's it's a Greek dictionary, but it is you don't have to know Greek to use it. It is key, It's totally in English. That's where I think a young preacher probably ought to start. A.T. Okay. Robertson taught Greek for years in Louisville, at, at a seminary in Louisville. He's got a six-volume set called Word Pictures in the Greek New Testament. That's a pretty. Uh, uh, Kenneth Wiest who taught at Moody, uh, mm-hmm. has got a four volume set that's that's pretty good and that and it will ha- there are only fifty four hundred Greek words in the Greek New Testament. You say, "Oh man that's a lot, really it isn't Your vocabularies far surpass fifty four hundred and a lot of those words are used over and over. Right. You can master the major Greek words used in the New Testament. And be able to feed people and, and draw on that. And and uh, uh, I believe the Bible's verbally inspired every word. Holy yep. Ghost puts emphasis on those words. Hey, Amen. Hey, Amen.
2: That, uh, you know, he's talking about the, 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 the verb tenses are so much different in the Greek than, than the English languages. Yes. Um, and when you, you start looking at the tense of those verbs, how much more it opens up a text. Absolutely. Um uh, than than what the English language, because the English language is limited. Uh, Let me give you an example.
1: It is written. It's a formula like in the New, it means means I'm quoting the Old Testament now. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. In English, it is, this is not, I will never correct that Bible. It does not need correct. Amen. Right, right. But it is written. All English can do is say, that's past tense. It's been written. There it is. In Greek, they use perfect tense. It means this. It is completed action in the past. It is written, but its influence is still going on today. And every time the Old Testament is quoted, it is written. It's written. It's done. The pen's laid down. There will be no more Old Testament. But... It's still got power. Yeah. It's still speaking to my heart. It's still teaching me how to live. Amen. And that's Amen. an example of what God right. yes, said. Yes, sir.
0: Amen. Well, Preacher, it has been great having you. We're going to have you. Uh, this this podcast will run in two parts. going to have you back next week. And uh, we'll talk uh, a little bit about why the King James. And Amen. so that's going to be an interesting uh, podcast. We encourage you to tune in uh, next week. Brother Mike will be back with us. And I know it's going to be a blessing, so you be sure and tune in. And until then, strengthen the things that remain. Amen.